0: The show you're about to hear is a member of the Planes Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to PlanesTalkersPodcast.com.
1: Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana.
0: Well, I mean, all the good ones do.
1: Hey, I'm a wizard. I should go punch that skeleton. And it's like, nope, you shouldn't have done that. So that's the first thing you want to do. You pick your commander. The next thing you want to do is add Sol Ring. Yes,
0: I am Jake and I'm Matt and we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plane Soccer's podcasting network and we're here to talk magic. Before we get started today, I do want to give a shout out to Will and Aramis on the Plane Soccer's podcast. They record on Twitch on Mondays and stream their Commandercraft on Wednesdays. They're a phenomenal standard oriented podcast that also do quite a bit in the commander field. So if you guys are looking for some more magic content, especially around commander, which we will talk about today, yep, or standard in general, check them out. Matt How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing pretty good. Had an easy day at work. My buddy who does all the route planning uh, helped me out a little bit, I think.
1: Normally when I do that, it's not necessarily so you have a light day. It's you're one of the more flexible people. So when I'm not there, I give you a light day so that someone else can screw you over.
0: (laughs) And almost never do I go in and I'm the only person with a light day. Usually we're all pretty light. But yeah, the, the point of me going in, I usually do less is I pick up stuff from everybody yeah, else. Like
1: Monday was a good example of
0: Yep. That, I but. come in, I have a little less than other people, but that's because I went and did, you know, a, a couple bulk stops yep. somewhere else.
1: It's my day off, spent it playing Diablo two, just been grinding on Sorceress again. I finished hell with Paladin. I don't know if I mentioned that last week mm. when I was on vacation. The first character I played was Necromancer. I beat Nightmare uh, Normal and Nightmare. I've now pivoted back to that just as something to break the grind up. With Sorceress, so I'm working my way through Helen.
0: Were you going to start that run you were talking about yesterday morning? The way that you play the game and you can't heal, and if you die, you die.
1: So um, those are very, what that's called, it's called ultra hardcore. Yeah. In Diablo 2, what it means is you are not allowed to use any method of healing in the game. No potions, no shrines, no life on hit, no abilities that heal you, Mm -hmm. nothing. And one of the things you do get is when you level up, you do heal to full mana and full health. Yeah. That's the only healing you get. I watched a guy his name's Mr. Llama and he he's a D2 expert. Yeah. From what I understand, he might have even been involved in some way with either
0: Oh, was he like a dev or a beta he, tester?
1: Something like that. He's like really big in the scene. So he was he did like a three and a half hour, four hour uh run with Druid, which mm-hmm. he got to the final boss, Diablo, in act four and Lost just because he made a just a, a yep. he made a decision. He was trying to get in some free. He got he got greedy basically. Yep. Tried to get in some free damage when Diablo spawns. He's got like two or three seconds where he doesn't do anything. So he's trying to hit him, mm-hmm. and then he got hit. <laughs> as and opposed then died, and then well, it reduced his health to the point where like the other like AOE stuff that's very difficult to avoid killed him. So I at this point I have no plans of doing that. I'm not good enough at Diablo to try something like that without pulling my hair out. So maybe down the future, the nice thing is, is since Diablo 2 looks fantastic, I have, like, I plan on still be playing this, being playing this within, uh-huh, for years. How many
0: people would have to email or comment or hit our Discord up to get you to try and do a two ultra higher? Oh, so, <laughs> you we,
1: and someone else. So <laughs> i
0: give it a shot. So I, cause I've, I've been all on him to be like, the come th- on, dude, don't scrub out, do yeah, it.
1: I mean, the, the thing is they're not going to last long
0: because you play on hardcore mode. So when you die, your characters literally, well, then it. we need to decide like, well, no, then you need a goal to work towards. Yeah. It's not just like play until you die, but like what's a, what would be a difficult thing for you to commit to doing and spend some time trying to accomplish, it? like kill Diablo, like the first play. Like, can you play through the entire game on, on normal? You think? Maybe, maybe, maybe. well, that, maybe. That, that, well, that, 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 then that's what I would post. I mean, here. if we can get he, that guy died on act four, he didn't even make it in two runs. He got, well, I mean, but like I'm saying beat the game once. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know how the the new game plus in this in this works. But like, can you
1: get through and beat at least the end boss one time? Maybe I could maybe beat Diablo. I doubt I'd be able to beat Bale. Is Bale the end end boss? Yeah. So the way the game came out, it came out as Diablo two, uh-huh. and then they released an expansion pack called Lord of Destruction, which added an additional act, Act five, and added Bale as the final final boss. Okay. Uh, there hasn't been any change to that. Um, other than Ubers and stuff like that, which wouldn't be doing in like 15 years, 20 years, whenever that came out. So technically speaking, Bale is the final boss. Diablo is the final boss in the non-expansion back. Okay. So he got to the second to last. That's why they're broken up into five acts. Yep. He got to act four out of five and almost beat Diablo.
0: So if we can get Let's do like five. If we can get five people to reach out to us, and I'll accumulate all of them we get yep. with Facebook, email, the Discord, and say they want Matt to try and I'll do put it a, on the list. What's it, an ultra hard, ultra hardcore, ultra hardcore mode? At least until at least to get Diablo. Yep. So you got to keep trying until you kill Diablo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we'll kind of
0: we'll take your honor on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've seen me. I mean, when you showed up today to record, I was yep, that's playing all he Diablo. Does. So. I,
0: I have Listeners, if you want to reach out, I would love to force him into something really hard that he only kind of doesn't want to do. I would love to be that good at Diablo. Yeah, that's why I feel with Dark Souls.
1: I'd be surprised if we did this, in in a month, I'm out of Act 1. Because, like, it's very hard. Yeah, well, you... Because you... Get, you, oh, you see, get good some scrub. of the other things about this, you're not allowed to go to town. You can't buy potions. You can't talk to any NPC. You can't buy gear or anything. It's literally whatever drops. That's the gear you use. And... Whatever mana potions drop, whatever scrolls of identity drop. So, like, you could, in theory, have the best piece of gear sitting in your inventory, but you have to identify them. And if you don't have any scrolls of identify, they just sit there. Like, it's literally, it's super Yeah, it's tough. interesting and tough.
0: So, okay. I'd be well, willing to try it if yep. people care about that. If people reach out, we'll try and do it. I tell you what, it's if people reach out and they really like it, we could maybe look at doing some streaming stuff in yeah. the future. I mean, you've got great internet. We both lo- I'd love to come over and do some streaming. You could do some streaming and we could try and, or maybe even YouTube it, get some evidence up that you actually did it. So reach out to us, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I've been digging my heels into Dark Souls 3 and I was talking to Matt about it because I kind of was wondering why I've been so intense on Dark, Soul th- Dark Souls 3 lately. Like I get up, go to work, and while I'm at work, I think about going home and Grinding through some new areas or getting some new gear, whatever. I was playing last night and I did the whole thing where it's like, I'm going to play Dark Souls 3 for a little bit. It's 12 30. Yep. I have to work tomorrow. I should, you know, five you just, hours later. Yeah, you just lose track of time so quickly. And I think it's because Elden Ring has gotten so much buzz lately where we've gotten more gameplay footage, more images. The release date got pushed back and that kind of sucks. But it's just so fresh in our mind that Elden Ring's coming out soon, the new From Software game. I particularly was not impressed with Sekiro. I beat it three times. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm not going to sit here and have anybody tell me I can't get good because I beat the shit out of the game, but I didn't like it that much. I beat, I mean, I beat Dark Souls seven, eight, nine times and I'm playing it again. Dark Souls three, that is. So I'm really excited for a new From Software game. And I think just being excited for Elden Ring has gotten me re-excited to play Dark Souls. So I'm kind of working through the game again. I'll probably play a few story modes through to get prepped for the new Elden Ring, but uh I would say the closest thing we have to that... I mean, there's tons of versions we have ultra-hardcore mode. There's no-hit runs where you can't yeah. get hit by anything, um, which no amount of subscribers or listeners tuning in would get me to do. I would say if we get Matt to do his... We'll put next on the agenda then. If Matt, if we can get Matt to do his run, I will commit to doing a no-death run to a certain point in the game. I don't know how far I can make it with a no-death run because there's some areas where it's like, like... I mean, some of the bosses are just two-hit kills, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, you basically have to be perfect.
0: Yeah, yep. if we'll see if we can, we'll if we can get people interested in what you're doing, we'll look at getting people interested in what I'm doing, and we'll we'll pick up we'll pick a line in the sand, and I have to get to at least here. We'll see if I can do a no death run, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think it sounds fun. Does does the Di- uh, does Dark Souls have a like hardcore mode that you turn on? That's no. that's the way Diablo works. Yeah. Is you make a hardcore character, and when that character dies, it's literally deleted. You don't Ooh. even. Yeah, like there is no like oh, there's no cheesing it. It's no. Nope. So what happened with. This is going to be the Diablo podcast, I guess. Like, what had happened when it's it It's a was, quiet week in magic. Yeah. When it came out a while ago, there's been a bunch of mods and stuff. So uh-huh. people have like save exit mods. So when your HP gets to less than oh, 5%, yep. it just saves and exits. There's none of that for Diablo Resurrected as far as I know of. And obviously I would not be using that yeah. if that's the whole intent. Like yeah. I've never understood well, that.
0: I mean, I this is just where we're... we're taking games we love to play that we're relatively good at and we're just putting dumb extra yeah. restrictions on ourselves how can
1: we create more content for ourselves make it
0: harder yep. so yeah i'm not, the if you're gonna cheat and there's no point even doing I it all the time and <laughs> i die all the time in dark souls
1: because <laughs> i just play so aggressively i'm yep. like hey i'm a wizard i should go punch that skeleton and it's like nope you shouldn't have done that
0: yeah i, I played dark souls a very similar way where it's like i can probably brute force my way through a lot of stuff yeah. it was because i i only played through the main story like once or twice the first time yeah and then i Every other one had just been like new game plus three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And so by then you have 15 Estus, you've got maxed out health, I'm level 250, and you can brute force the vast majority of the game when you can heal 15 times and you have, you know, so much health that you can take six hits from a boss before you die. So I'm, I'm very, I had to relearn that like, hey dude, you're level 12, you can't brute force index Gunder. You have to
1: dodge every attack. Yeah,
0: so... That'd be fun. Well, well, we'll see if the listeners have an interest in committing to us hating the games we love. Right. <laughs> Speaking of hating the games we love, Matt, how's Legacy looking?
1: It's continuing the trend that we have been uh, talking about for the past several months. Just it's Ragavan, Murktide, Urza mm-hmm. Saga.
0: Everywhere. Yep. So with with
1: this not changing as much, uh, I,
0: I kind of vote again. We kind of move through it briskly. Let's take a look at some of our challenges, our top decks, but I don't want to dwell too long on... I think a format we can both agree is not particularly long for this world with yeah. wizards announcing they're talking about it with challenges, having a hard time firing with, as you'll see, the results of this new is it was it a, a PTQ. Yes. The results, of this PTQ. I think some action is coming down the pipes in the next. I would say. Four to eight weeks.
1: Yeah, it's very hard to predict this kind of stuff. And Wizards is notorious for letting Legacy go way longer yep. in a bad position than they But, you know, been. I still
0: play some Legacy. You still play Legacy. Obviously, some of our listeners do. So let's run through the numbers and let's see what we're looking at.
1: Uh, the big one, like we were talking about, it's a Legacy PTQ. We only get the top 16 for this deck. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty telling. We'll just go through the whole 16.
0: Before we start, so uh, confirm with me if you know... So the Legacy PTQ, that's a Pro Tour qualifier, correct? even though the Pro Tour doesn't exist anymore. Is this the initial qualifier that you have to, you win a challenge and you get entered into the PTQ? And then if you win the PTQ, you get entered into the Mox or the Pro Tour? I don't know. <laughs> the
1: the it's, it's confusing. That's the way it used. So it's been forever since I've really paid very close attention to the pro side of the thing of Uh the tournament structure so like back in my day it was you if you won a ptq you got a blue envelope for to go to the next pro tour that's a paper
0: yes we're talking about paper events this is obviously online
1: i'm not gonna lie i don't know exactly how their tournament structure works anymore i know like the showcase challenges and the stuff like that they all build up to this kind of thing so do the showcase feed into this that's
0: fair. Well, I'll tell you what. We can say for sure this is an important tournament. Correct. This is not something you qualify for easily.
1: Yeah, Wizards has made their pro scene as convoluted as they possibly
0: can. I say can. even if it's not complicated. This yeah. is something that is difficult to qualify for, and so I, we we can kind of hold this in higher regard
1: than a Sunday challenge. This is this is right. serious. Yep. Okay. Just so everybody knows ahead of time, normally I'm going to do this in a little bit of a reverse order here. 50% of the top 16 was uh Blue Red Delver. Gotcha. 8 decks. That's so a you're gonna very be large percentage that's, of the... Normally mm. you don't even have that in a challenge in the top 32. Yeah. Normally yeah. it's 4 or 5. So people showed up to play at this. Yeah. And, or they at least showed up to play Delver. Right. So number 1 is a Delver. Yep. The deck that got 2nd is Lands, which is, I'm not going to say designed to prey on Delver, but it has a very good Delver. Good motto. matchup. Yeah. Uh, 3 or 3rd is a Delver. Yep. Uh, 4th is 8-cast, which is a deck that's Actually going to pop up in the next challenge as well. Just a cool little aggro artifact deck. Yeah, we looked at it quite a bit
0: because I was kind of surprised that this particular deck, it's not a combo variant, uh, it's basically an Emery deck. Yeah. Emery and Psy. Yep. There's no combo finish at all at all. It's just make it appears to just make a bunch of tokens and swarm the board. Eight cast is referring to the AF four thought cast and the four thought monitor essentially one mana... To draw two. One blue to draw two cards as long as you have a large enough affinity count.
1: And the funny thing is Thought Monitor almost makes it an ancestral recall because you draw two and you have a 2-2 flyer. Yeah, and you get... Like, a, you, that's a card.
0: You don't lose the card you cast.
1: Yeah. Thought Cast is, you know, draw two. You put you, you up one card. Essentially,
0: yeah. You discard a card, draw two. Yeah. Thought Monitor is you make a 2-2 flyer, draw two. Yeah. And the 2-2 flyer can yeah. definitely kill your opponent.
1: Yeah, when you're paying one blue for a 2-2 and two cards, that's very good. Yep. So... Uh, then we've got four-color uh, Green Sun Zenith in uh, fifth. Mm-hmm. Sixth, we've got Doomsday. Yep. Seventh, Blue Red Delver. Eighth, Blue Red Delver. Ninth, Blue Red Delver. Tenth, four-color Control. Eleventh, Blue Red Delver. Mm-hmm. Twelfth, again, four-color uh, four Zenith. Okay. Thirteenth, Elves. Fourteenth, Blue Red Delver. Yep. Fifteenth, uh, Bomberman. And sixteenth, Blue Red Delver.
0: Even our top eight was 50% Delver. I think we had four Delver decks in our top eight. One, two. Yes. And we were talking about it a little before. He he hadn't read those numbers to me because I don't I don't look as much at the legacy metagame as far as like these numbers come out anymore because that's Matt. You know Matt does that, and so I kind of I like come into these a little more open at least the day of. And so he kind of brought up that that had happened, and I was talking about uh, I was under the impression. I think you have numbers that will back this up from a different source, or you have. You know, yeah. of a different source. Yep. But I was under the the impression that Jeskai was kind of the superior color combination. Blue red Delver was very good, and I thought adding white to it made it superior. And what you told me was you had seen some information that said the win rates are higher with the Jeskai lists. Yes. Jeskai Saga still, Jeskai Mid range, Jeskai Tempo.
1: Yeah. At the time of that information, Jeskai uh, at least had Jeskai a, Tempo had a, a, a higher, s- a slightly higher. Yes, I'm sure it they're had close a slight, it, within a percentage point or two. Yep. But, but
0: yeah. Seems like Blue Red Delver was what really showed up to shine. Yeah, and in this in this PTQ.
1: This is I would love to see what I would love to see the whole list of like everyone who played in this tournament. How many people showed up? Because yeah. the flip side of this could be because uh, we don't get win rates or we don't we don't get. We, there's a ton of information we don't get. Uh-huh. It could, in theory, just be. You know, if half the people show up to play Blue, Red, Delver, then statistically speaking, unless it's just a very bad deck, you're going to have it's going to be overrepresented. Right. Yep. That doesn't necessarily mean it has a bannable win rate. Yeah. It may not have an egregious win rate, but. But if everyone comes like if, you know, if if half the people showed up to play elves and elves only won half of its games, which is a reasonable win rate, you're going to show up with 25 percent of the field in the top eight is going to be elves.
0: You just keep flipping coins. Right. They're going to come through.
1: Correct. So, so but given that like if but, this was one tournament but, that'd be different it, it, it doesn't
0: I would say it doesn't matter right because one option is yes uh, Delver has an egregious win rate blue red delver and that's why it rose to the top in which case we should probably look at maybe affecting that deck with a ban or all the best pros that are the most accomplished at magic chose to play this deck or I'm sorry but I, uh, yeah everyone brought blue red delver and that means that all the best players chose to play blue Red delver they probably chose it for a reason right you know Brian Cook doesn't choose bad decks. Julian doesn't choose bad decks. Phil Gallagher doesn't choose bad decks. So if they show up to play a high stakes tournament and they were, they contributed to, well, half the people ran it. So of course you saw half the field. Was it, well, they chose it for a reason, right? They think it's the best.
1: Like the argument you could make and you'd see this very rarely, but it does happen is if there was some outside circumstance, for example, death and taxes is the, the reason for this argument is Death and Taxes is the cheapest deck, so it is overrepresented. Like mm-hmm. more people play Death and Taxes. The I don't what I'm saying is I don't think that's true. Like it could happen. Mm-hmm. People aren't going, hey, I want to play Blue Red Delver because it's super fun and exciting. People aren't going, Hey, I'm <laughs> gonna play it because it's cheap. People are saying I want to play Blue Red Delver because it's clearly the best deck yeah. in the format. i
0: I think people do think that Blue Red Delver is fun and exciting, Matt, because winning is fun and exciting. That's that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. Uh, when when half the field is a certain deck, it leads some... Either that deck is incredibly fun to play, or it's incredibly good. Right. So, And this is probably a combination of both. As someone who has who has gotten to, in paper, wasteland people out of the game, it is
1: fun. Everybody's going to be playing something... Obviously, they're playing Legacy because they enjoy the format. hmm Yeah. But they chose this deck over other decks at a PTQ because yep. they want to go there and win. And they yep. think Blue Red Delver gives them the best, the best chance of doing it. Yeah. Again, we keep saying this, but you can't draw conclusions from one tournament, but we're not we're <laughs> we're well past the point of one tournament it's, yeah this At least, been, we, we say that every tournament,
0: but we've said it for the last four tournaments in a row.
1: I mean more than that I mean, we yeah. were saying it on what episode one or two where we, we we're talking about, hey, yep, be aware of these cards. we've been on we've been
0: on the the bandwagon for quite a while. I think before many other people where we're like, I think Ragavan might be a problem. I think MH2 cards in general might be a problem.
1: Uh, so that's that one. Then we did have a challenge. We can go over that briefly. Big shout out to Bryant Cook. He got third. Nice. He's still putting up numbers. A great magic player. I love to see his name on any of these lists. So top eight, eight cast, one. Yep. This challenge. Then we've got, uh, looks like a depths list. Then Brian Kirk. Cook. Bryant Kirk. Bryant Kirk. <laughs> Brian Kirk, we're in the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Curses, Cloud Post, Blue Red Delver, Jazz Guy Tempo, then another depths list yeah, as Jim. the top eight. So nothing, I mean, Curses is cool. Yeah. I'm not going to knock the guy who's playing it at all. That's a super cool deck. That's kind of the problem with the, like, the counter argument to people like you and me who think that there's clear problems in the format mm-hmm. is there are still, it's still pretty diverse for yep. the most part. So, I like, mean. it's like, well. A Curses deck can come in and win. Correct. Yep. Like, it's still, you still do have to play. This yep. isn't like the Hogak in modern days or the Eldrazi in modern days or, like, the Underworld Breach deck uh-huh. in Legacy where we're talking and about, yeah, or Renin Six where it's just these cards are close enough that if somehow you could shave a few percentage points off, you'd probably mm-hmm. be all right. Yeah. They're probably very borderline. Yep. Well, it's, those are the cards that don't get banned right away. Yeah. When when
0: Hungat comes into Modern, it gets banned or it gets cards banned and then itself banned really quickly because everyone goes, holy shit. Right. But no one's saying holy shit to legacy right now because these decks are probably a a couple percentage points too good. Yep. Or You know, and probably it takes time to see that problem. Probably three to eight percent too good, and so yeah, de- curses can still come in and win. Storm can still come in and win.
1: Yeah. Lands,
0: and- death and taxes. All these decks can still come in and, and really participate. Correct. But the overarching trends are not where we would like them to be. Right. And so it does raise the question of: Do you think? Do you think it's worth affecting people's pockets and people's fun to fight for a few percentage points towards the trend we want to see?
1: My argument here, and it's something that I think really uh, demonstrated itself with the Oko ban, is it doesn't matter what the numbers are if people aren't playing your Good point. And the trend is less participation in legacy. I think that's the, like, if we all want to play stupid broken crap, great. Mm -hmm. If, If Oko's fine, great. And everybody's just, you know, if everybody's having a blast, it doesn't matter what the percentages are. As it long really as,
0: doesn't. As long as every challenge fires.
1: I've read a lot of comments talking about that where it's just like, oh, well, I mean, it's got to do with the timing. Well, they've been, they <laughs> they were historically firing. Yeah, that's a bad argument. Right. Well, I, it, it could be a true argument if this was something new mm-hmm. and maybe there's something we don't know about. Maybe the time slot did change. That's possible. But I don't think that, yeah, you can, I didn't hear anything about that. You can that. jump
0: back, you know, 24 months from now pre-COVID, pre, uh, you could jump back to when Legacy was in more of much more a highlight. You're talking in the, you know, uh, 2015, 2016 era, challenges still fired. Right. The only time they didn't
1: were if something went wrong Mm -hmm. or if there was a major event that day and the Sunday one would still challenge, but still fire. But the Saturday wouldn't would. I mean, we're talking once or twice a year. Yeah. Not six weeks in a row. And on top of that, the Sunday ones are having trouble. Yeah. They're not They're not firing off with 90 or 100 people like Modern. They're firing off with 65. 64 to 70. Yeah. So, like, there's just yeah. engagement with the formats down. And yep. that, to me, is when it's, like, I don't care what card gets banned. The problem card has to go when the problem is people don't want to play
0: anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily, I don't think I buy into that argument uh, as a very solid argument just because of past experience. The one, the, the feat that argument could have is that because of COVID, a lot of people changed their weekend preferences. And that is a, uh, could be a valid point is that, you know, even though challenges fired two years ago before COVID, since we had COVID, people stopped playing as much online. But the counter argument to that would be is the people that always played online didn't really care that COVID shut down paper play and they probably didn't change their weekend habits that much, I don't think it's a great argument that like, oh, it's on Saturday and paper events are opening up and people are out playing paper or doing whatever they want. That's not a good reason for them not to fire because they fired before. So and it's a good point where, you know, we're kind of arguing for a relatively small percentage change in our format, I think. We talked about, you know, Blue Red Delver wins, let's say 6% too much or 5% too much. And we're asking for big changes to fight for those 5% but people aren't playing the format as much as they used to, and that is something that should instigate some change.
1: You know, that's the last line. Like, you can make all the arguments around the math you want about who wins what or whatever, what card's too good. When people stop playing, something has to change, or we don't have a format going to, you know, in three to five years. Yeah, exactly. And the, the problem is, unlike modern, Legacy already has the deck stacked against it, so to speak. Legacy already has multiple barriers to entry. Yeah. And then you take something like this, where it's just like, well, it doesn't look like it's a very popular format, even with uh-huh. those. And it's just like this. This is the type of stuff that I don't want to say ends formats or kills them, because that's hyperbole. This yeah. damages formats in the long run. Yeah. Or like
0: it, I'd say you you can say it makes a format unsustainable. You know, there's always been the da- the naysayers and the doom speakers that legacy's dying. This is the death of legacy. The oh, the formats dying. I, no, I don't think Ragavan's going to just single-handedly kill Legacy, no. but you can set up these unsustainable trends where maybe six years from now, if this is what keeps happening, now we're starting to look at a format that is fading away because not enough people are getting into it.
1: Yep, and oh. people people leave every year. There's always attrition, yeah. and that's why I don't like when old heads like me complain about Magic wanting to make new Magic players. Like There has to be. Yep. I mean, just... People dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know, people quit Magic for many number of reasons. Yeah, Part of a, And Legacy, again, Legacy has more of those reasons yep. than other formats. Well, especially in the past, I would say in the past uh, two to
0: four years, where people's Legacy decks and Legacy collections became
1: down payments on houses. Not only did they become that expensive, they also became that expensive during a time in which a lot of people lost a lot of money because of missed time of work yep some people their, i mean their entire livelihoods were destroyed uh we yeah. won't get into why yeah. well, but like magic, the fact of the matter yeah. is if you lost your job and uh, you're right. sitting there with you know five thousand dollars yep. in blue red delver or elves or whatever and it's time to pay the rent it became a good nest egg
0: correct and, I, and on top of that even if you're not counting the people that had to sell to keep the lights on a lot of people looked at their magic deck and went i love playing legacy but i have a chance to buy me and my wife a new home or our first home or a new i can sell my old car and get a new car and those are the people that they sell out of legacy and i i can't give them an ounce of bad will where like yeah you sold your underground seas to buy your first home that was a good investment that was a good decision
1: you can take it you don't even have to go all out you can go i'm going to sell my legacy deck put a down payment on my house or help towards it mm-hmm. and then still have enough money to buy a modern deck i don't have to quit magic yeah i can pivot from yep. something like lands which costs yep. you know god knows how much somewhere between six and ten thousand dollars at yep. any given point you could sell your tabernacle buy a car <laughs> and then sell the rest of the then stuff go buy, and D&T. buy yeah and go buy you know yeah. a modern and deck. so is so, it i'm not trying to
0: be i'm not being the doomsayer the oh legacy's dying I'm pointing out that, that the cost to entry and the and the cost to staying in. There's a cost to staying in. Yeah. Every time you it's look at that. It's called
1: opportunity cost.
0: Yeah. Every time you look at that that deck box full of dual lands, That there's a cost to keeping those cards. And I think, I think we're having a hard time keeping people in when they could, yeah, sell out, pay off some bills, buy some stuff they want, and then buy into a cheaper format like Modern or Pioneer. I mean, I've heard great, Which things, are- like, I've heard great things about Pioneer. I know Modern's great. I bought into Modern because it looks like so much fun. And those are... You know, between six hundred dollars and fifteen hundred dollars formats versus three to five thousand dollars.
1: Right, and then you're still you're still playing Magic, you're yep. still playing it, and on top of that, there are structural reasons too. Legacy doesn't have the competitive support that Modern does, Mm-mm. so even, you can you could sell your Legacy deck, buy a car, buy a Modern deck, and play Magic more often. Yep. So, well, case in all, point, hey Matt,
0: we can go play Friday Night Modern this week. Right. You want to play Friday Night Magic or Friday Night Legacy? We've got about a two hour drive. Right. And we don't live, I mean, Sorry. our sto-
1: our, yeah, our can, town has two game stops. We can stuff. play in-town yeah. modern. We have two game stores. So Two, like, real game stores. Yep. And, and like, they don't run like, legacy tournaments. Like Dungeons & Dragons, Board Games, and Magic Oriented. That's their whole shtick. What, the point of all this is you can't have all of these built-in things and, and then also have a bad format. And
0: then also have a bad format, yeah. So
1: let's move on to modern. I mean, yeah, that's enough legacy let, Let's
0: skip through. I Hey, Matt, read the same percentage you read last week. Let's, yeah. move, let, let's go to Modern.
1: I can tell you, I don't even have to look at it. Force of Will, Ponder, Brainstorm, Ragavan, Murktide, Regent, yep. days, yep. Pyroblast, so, Wasteland. I
0: Keep an eye out for some changes in the format, guys. Um, if you're looking to buy your legacy decks, I'd wait. I'd proxy, I'd wait. If you have to buy If you run in
1: islands, I'd wait. <laughs> yeah. If <you're> <laughs> you run running islands, could I'd probably wait. probably
0: safely buy elves. <laughs> probably. I don't know. I, if you have anyone in your household with you, I don't know how safely you can drop thousands of dollars on a guy's cradle, but... Yep. You know what? Yeah. I won't tell anybody if you buy it. Right. Modern. So I want to start with the Saturday challenge because a really cool thing happened. Aspiring uh, Spike, by far my favorite modern content creator, brought it home with, I don't know if it was a brew he made, but it was a new deck I hadn't seen. And it was uh, Esper Reanimator. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like it so much is I recently bought into Orchov Grief Stoneblade. It's a really fun deck. I've been tinkering with it. It needs a lot of work. I don't think it's quite there yet. It's definitely like tier two and a half. This
1: deck seems there yet.
0: Uh, His take <laughs> on it by putting in blue and a reanimator package brings it solidly to tier one because he brought home and, and part of that's because he's amazing. Yeah, but he brought home the first place on the Saturday challenge with this deck. So it's basically got your ephemerate uh, package um, with grief and mold drifter and solitude. Great flicker targets, obviously, as it's kind of like a value cool. plan where it's going to be a griefing to get you down on cards Mole Drifter to fill your hand back up, and then it's backup win slash... I, I, the games I saw, probably 50-50 win con, is the Archon of Cruelty reanimation package um, to just come in and just create an unwinnable board state for your opponent, so...
1: Uh, quick question. Yeah. What's that run in the sideboard? Does he run anything... So, like, one of the things I'd be concerned about with living in running around everywhere is graveyard hate. Yep. Does he just pivot? Can you... Obviously, I, I know you don't, you're not in his head. Does it look like he could just pivot out of the reanimation package altogether?
0: I don't think he pivots out of the reanimation package. He runs four ley lines, and I think that's going to be his main uh, strategy for living in. He's, I well, think- I
1: mean, what I mean is if living in is everywhere, people are running oh. a lot of ley lines. Does I he, see. Yeah. Does, is he able to go to make their ley lines dead yep. cards well, by taking – because it doesn't seem like he has a very big reanimation. Yeah. Chain. So the deck wins
0: really well with Moldrifters and Griefs and Solitudes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've seen a couple of times where he'll get surgical, he'll get lay lined out, and he's totally capable of playing through that with the, the kind of the original line, which is, yeah, Grief and Solitude and whatnot. Um, the sideboard, he brings in uh, Sarah's Emissary a lot of times to help sure up as another reanimation target and to help kind of smooth out some of the weirder losses you're going to have. Mm-hmm. But he mostly brings in uh, more removal. So he has a a prismatic ending for it gets a full four of with the one on the side, a couple fatal pushes and then four thought seizes Gotcha. to help disrupt any combo style matchup four ley lines to help secure his graveyard matchups because he doesn't have much to do against like arc like Phoenix. Yeah. The Phoenix decks are incredibly powerful. He leads a lot of respect to them, which he should. They're I've watched them. They're absurd.
1: I mean, if your game plan is to force them to discard cards with grief.
0: Yeah. uh, Eventually you're going to start putting (laughs) cards they want in their graveyard. Yeah. And then uh, this sideboard was Stony Silence. Uh, He picks up a fourth to Fairy Time Raveller, And then, yeah, the ley lines and the Sarah's uh, Emissary. So he doesn't have a lot of stuff to bring in to counteract the graveyard hate, except for something like, you know, the prismatic endings to take care of a rest in peace. Briefly looking at his colors, he doesn't have the fourth color to take care of a, a ley line. But I will say that watching the modern content I've watched... Layline is kind of a rare choice for graveyard hate right now, mm-hmm. especially with Urza Saga. A lot of your graveyard hate comes in the form of Nihil Spellbomb. That's the most common one I've seen because it lets you to cantrip and nuke graveyards. Mm-hmm. But no, I I he wasn't running a whole ton of anti anti graveyard cards. I think his plan is to go th- either race through them or have the, be able to grind the value afterwards. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen someone cast Ephemerate on an Evoked Muldrifter. It's backbreaking. We, t- you know, you get into the mid to late game where like I said we both got two or three cards. I've answered all your stuff on a one to one race basis, and you know, you've got two cards in hand, and I go evolve moldrifter Ephemerate, draw four, next upkeep, draw two more. Yeah, I mean, I, m- I might go to discard. Yep, it's bonkers.
1: Oh, and guess what? I'm going to discard. Yeah, I'm going to discard the Archon <laughs>
0: of Cruelty. Sorry, you used your graveyard hate already. Right. It was a really cool deck. I, I fired it up and I played a bit of it. I couldn't afford the Solitudes because they're like 70 bucks a piece on MTGO. But even without the Solitudes, it's a really fun deck. I put in Ashiok uh, Dream Render in its place. Mm-hmm. It's the three mana War of the Spark one that allows you to nuke graveyards. Yep. So it you can mill yourself. So it's great to fuel your reanimation package. And it also nukes your opponent's graveyards to help kind of shear up your graveyard matchups. So it's really fun. Second place was Crashing Footfalls. Hey, guys. Yep, uh, Crash Kate's still here. Then we had so now it's called Four Color Blink. That's our Yorion Elementals FM right package that deck that's been incredibly popular and very good. Yep. Fourth place was Hammer Time, uh Mainstay. Fifth place was Yog Moth Combo. Sixth place more Crashing Footfalls. Seventh place more Four Color Blink
1: and eighth place Affinity. Oh uh, hey. Can we Is there any spice in the Affinity list? I was going to ask you about that. See if we had, so this is Blue Red Affinity. Okay, cool. We've got red in there
0: for we're running Gal- for a Galvanic Blast. Yep. Uh, Experimental Frenzy in the sideboard is a pretty cool card. Remember, you know what that does? I do not. So Experimental Frenzy is uh, it's from the it's one of the Ravnica sets, the recent Ravnica sets. It's a four mana enchantment. To
1: return to Ravnica.
0: Sure. I um, do <laughs> Yeah. It's a four mana enchantment. You look uh, so you can look at the top card of your library anytime mm-hmm. and you can play the top card of your library, but you can't cast spells from your hand. And then you can pay four mana to destroy Experimental Frenzy. So I saw it. It popped up in, in standard a bit when it was in play because it's a great way to get like some mono red card draw. Yeah. Where if you're out of cards in your hand, then it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. Because you're just yeah, playing you're on top, top of your deck. Yeah, you're in top deck mode anyway. Yeah, you're in top deck mode anyway, and you can run through your deck pretty quickly. Frog knight. Uh, we got frog Mites, mirror enforcers, soldiers, a companion. So you know you've got uh six mirror enforcers. You've only got four thought monitors. I don't see thoughtcast. Yeah. So that that did not make the cut. You will have to get a Gigantha for your uh. Uh, it's your companion. Oh, okay. It's the one where um no card in your starting deck has more than one color in its cost. Or I said, more than one pip. Oh, gotcha. More than one mana pip? Let me read it. No card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost. So there's only that's, ever yeah, that's a blue and a red or one affinity. blue. Yeah. Uh cranial plating, springleaf drum, those are pretty normal. We're still running a couple of those indestructible tapped dual lands, uh four treasure vault. That's an awesome card I like to see. That's the one that comes into play untapped. XX tap sack, make X treasure tokens. Yep. So it inefficiently makes treasures, but they also double up on affinity and they still get mana out of them.
1: Do you, uh, does it run Saga? I forget.
0: Yep, We're running four Urza Sagas, and then obviously, you have just some of the best tutor targets in the game with uh, shadow. Well, it's in the game, but you have some great tutor targets Retrofitter Foundry, Shadow Spear, Ginger. Uh, I don't think you get Retrofitter Foundry, that is a legacy card because it. Remember, it's a commander, it's a commander yeah. card, but yep. you get things like uh, Ginger Brute. I mean, Ginger Brute's a great thing to get, it's hilarious. It it's is kind but, of a meme with but, uh, a couple buddies of mine, yep. Un, but you know, unblockable uh, with welding or not well, yeah, with uh, maybe a welding jar or Shadow Spear to get the damage up. And then your sideboard you've got like uh, pithing needles, relics, yeah, whatnot. So oh, I
1: need to get saga.
0: Yeah, which I've got one. You're always more than welcome to use. I think the deck could run just fine without him. Like the when I've seen I've I've seen legacy more than modern, but these decks are so freaking fast, man. Like that's your backup plan. Ursa Saga is your backup plan. Yep. And if you want to just kind of keel a little harder into the dump your hand and swing with just a bunch of cheap stuff, I think you'd be fine with maybe maybe a couple less. So this modern challenge. Uh, on Saturday, had some really cool new stuff, a lot of repeat stuff, and even a lot of stuff kind of like a couple of the same decks in our top eight. Uh, I'll be honest, the Sunday challenge does not look good. So first place, four color living end. Second place is a um, it's it's called Orchov Stoneblade, but it's a it's it's Hammer Time.
1: Gotcha. And then we so got just splash black for yeah,
0: something. yeah. It, it, Luris, you get Luris. Gotcha. And, and you got it's a, it's a cool Hammer Time deck. Jund. Then you got four color blink, burn, burn, blink, blink. You've got three copies of that um, Ephemerate Elemental Package and two copies of Burn. And then you got a couple one-ofs, which is cool. Like, Jun's cool. Living End, I hate playing against it, but it's a cool deck. But, you know, having three of our top eight being this um, this really recursive deck we see, where every week we see a couple of them. We're starting to see more. I think this elementals deck is really showing it to be one of the best things you can be doing right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, in my opinion, Blue-White are, is the most powerful color combination in Modern. Just with blue-white control decks in general, I think blue-white gives you access to some of the most powerful stuff to be doing. And then tacking on the elemental package with Ephemerate is just so flexible. So, you know, we're not seeing as much blue-white control this week, but we are seeing those elementals. And they don't run Counterspell or anything, but...
1: It's one of the things, like, there's not anything like show-and-tell to Mm -hmm. prey upon just sitting there and dirtling and generating a bunch of value. And
0: these are four-color decks... And there's no wasteland to prey upon. Very yeah. greedy mana bases. I mean, you get preyed on in that. Well, I tell you what, Burn preys on you because your greedy mana base cost you much uh, of yeah. life. You're and running that, a lot of lightning bolts in there. That favor. definitely shows. And you know, we got Burn fifth and sixth, and that really those guys really take a hit because you have to shock in so many lands. And Burns like, thank you for lightning bolting yourself three times.
1: Yeah, here's the other seven. <laughs> yeah,
0: or the other five. The five, whatever. whatever it is. But yeah, um, really powerful deck, and it's starting to show up a lot. And so. I don't know if I don't think they'll come in and change anything, but like this Sunday challenge and and I think last week's Sunday challenge weren't looking that good. A lot of elementals, a lot of elementals and just a lot of like homogenizing down into a couple of decks. Kind of like how legacy starting to look. The nice
1: thing is there's still enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think again, after watching, I mean, I watching dozens of leagues get played the, it's still a a relatively open format, but some of the more highly competitive stuff is kind of narrowing down to some, some stock good lists. So we'll see what happens. I, People are kind of dialing into what they want to play. I think Ragavan and Murktide are kind of help coalescing things together because those are co- Do Ragavan Do they see a lot Murktide. of play in the blink decks? That's a good point. I don't know if they I don't. I, I'm pretty sure they run Ragavan because if you're running red, you should <laughs> probably be running Ragavan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, they don't know. They don't run Ragavan or Murktide. So I don't know exactly what is causing that because in my mind, I was thinking, you know, Ragavan and Murktide are kind of, I would think they kind of coalesce things down because they're very common cards. You see them in a lot of decks. But they're not in this one, and I'm not exactly sure why this would particularly prey upon it. I mean, it's got the three furies and the four solitude to clean creatures up really well. I guess Ren and Six also helps take care of any X one.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's earlier we had talked about uh some people complaining about the Ragavan and Murktide and Urza Saga and Modern, mm-hmm. and from like from my perspective, I haven't seen anything problematic with those cards yep to me the elementals seem yeah. like they're i would say above them being problematic
0: problematically designed cards yeah yeah they're not crazy i mean you look at the top played cards in general and you don't see any of them you don't see murktide you don't see ragavan you don't see Urza Saga and just the 10 top played cards uh if you look at creatures ragavan busts the lists that's it and then just straight up cards or sorry spells obviously Urza Saga wouldn't make that yeah. list so but the elementals are everywhere. These pitch spell elementals are everywhere. Solitude, endurance, fury, top three creatures. Yep. The yeah, basically the only ones you're not seeing are the two that are bad.
1: Yep. Well, and, and endurance is probably seeing a lot of play because living ends a thing.
0: Yeah, living end, it's a, it's the best counter. So it's to living more
1: end. of a symptom. Well, and, or something else. I mean, endurance
0: is also great against the. Uh, Arc like Phoenix decks, it's great against any graveyard yeah, shenanigans. Graveyard's
1: very strong thing yeah. to be doing right now. So like I don't see endurance. It's good against Reanimator. I mean,
0: Reanimator is good and people yeah. are playing it. Case in point, you know, it's, now that Aspiring Spikes has won a challenge, it's gonna be everywhere.
1: Right. The uh it's endurance has that problem of being on that list where like Leyline of the Void was the second most played card in mm-hmm. modern for a while. And it's like, well, you know, looking at that, you're like, Well, you know, Leyline of and Void needs to go. No. <laughs> yeah It's the not the graveyards line. are everywhere that's yep. why endurance is top. yeah but the other two that kind of points to there could be you know yeah i'm not a modern expert and stuff looks on the surface looks fine to me i think these lists so these, with the, the modern content i've consumed
0: i think modern is still in a, in a pretty decent place this challenge and last challenge though like it kind of tips my scale a little bit like i'm starting to take a look at and i think you should keep your eyes open like don't get distracted by How modern has been phenomenal, and modern is tons of fun. These couple challenges are looking a little rough, so just keep an eye on it, guys.
1: Last one last week was uh, control decks everywhere, wasn't it? It was.
0: Yeah, control showed up in spades last week. So what
1: what it seems like to me just over the past few weeks is like you kind of everybody's showing up. What wins this week is what would would have be done well last. Or it's there's like possibly we're gonna outvalue this control deck by just drawing a million cards. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and then and just two for wanting everything. Right. Yeah. Although I mean, like, so it's kind of funny you say that though, because like, I would say the four color blink deck probably has a pretty poor matchup against uh, blue white control list because there's so much removal in here that has nothing to target, and so we we're not running mold drifters in this deck to draw extra cards. Our two for ones are coming from. Getting to Fury away two of your creatures, getting to Solitude and Flicker oh. away a couple of your creatures. Here's and the flip side, though. I would say Blue white Control doesn't really run hardly any creatures.
1: The, that's one of the things that's the best thing about these cards is they're not dead when your opponent like Swords to Plowshares is dead against Miracles, right? Mm-hmm. Solitude isn't. Yeah, Solitude Solitude's still kills. A, sol- solitude and Fury and Grief oh. they all still kill your opponent. I do apologize. At least one of these four color, I pulled out a four color list. This one is running Ragavan.
0: Yep. One of them is. One of them wasn't. So sure. some do. Um. But yeah. Like I mean. I think, I, I think if you're looking at a like a five color control, uh, sorry, five color, a blue white control list versus this, I don't think you can consider a five drop three two a impactful enough clock to make it a good matchup. So
1: well, again, it's not it's not so much that it's because we're always talking about percentage point. Yeah. So you go from a dead card to a decent I, top. It's, it's a it's
0: a lethal threat. Yeah. So, so
1: it's one of those things I'm, where like they have a th- and there's no force of will to stop their explosive things. So like, yeah, you get a grief with a ephemerate I mean, and an ephemerate that
0: Omnath uh, for Omnath is is a pretty good ephemerate yeah, I target saw, as well. Yeah, I saw those floating around
1: there, too. And yeah. I, I was kind of wondering when. That would start to pop its. Yeah. When he would rear his head. Yep.
0: This was, yeah, this elemental list is really what's kind of brought him back into just dominating. He yeah. was, because he's just another one of those yeah. cards that shouldn't exist. Omnath was dominating when we had Uro in the format, just because the pair was so crazy good to be yeah. able to guarantee that two land drops in a turn, if you don't have to fetch. They just work so well together. And when Uro left, he kind of left too. He was a little too expensive. The four colors just didn't work out very well. And then this list kind of brought Amit back into the into the limelight. Yeah. Uh, four color. I'm talking about four color yeah, on four that color. locus of creation. Yep. The so, really dumb one. Yeah, the really dumb one. Uh just really quickly, popping over to our Sunday challenge, our uh, meta game summary. On Sunday, Blink decks, so your Yorian Blink decks were almost almost fifteen and a half percent of the meta for the top thirty two. Gotcha. And then we had twelve and a half percent each, Yawgmoth and Hammer Time. And now we're down to the tens with like a couple threes. So the three burn, crashing footfalls, and Azorius are our three. Fifteen what, five. Uh yes. So we had five, four, four, three, three, three. Gotcha.
1: And then a bunch of ones. Yeah.
0: But Blink and Yawgmoth showed up. They I mean Blink and Yawgmoth uh, are almost 30% of the meta. So
1: well and that's that's eh. they probably feed off each other too, because like I was saying, that's how you beat these Dirtle decks yeah. is you just win the game at that's true. So you're like, well, if you guys are gonna play you know, Dirtle decks, I'm going to combo off and uh, dome you for infinite. Yep.
0: Alright, I, I think we talked about uh, Diablo 2, Dark Souls, and the metas long enough. Let's move into a quick announcement about Secret Lair. So, Wizards came out, and they basically soothed our last sore spot, and they announced that they will be printing The Walking Dead in the list as reprints. Yeah. They kind of came out initially and said, we're not going to do it with The Walking Dead, but going forward, we'll look at Printing these mechanically unique cards into the lit, or in, in some way, in and just packs. to be
1: clear, these are functional cards, but not like you can't pull will out of a yes. list. You can't. You were not going to pull. Yep. We you you,
0: you will never get the secret of their art out of a pack or name, right? Or name, yeah. Um, so it'll be a completely different card. I I you know I don't think anyone's exactly sure on the particular templating or formatting. Yeah, but I I don't even think they'll be exactly like the Godzilla cards where it'll have two names on it.
1: Yeah, it's probably just going to be a different group.
0: But it will be expressly um, written down in the rules that you can only have four wills. And if that means you have two of the list cards and two of the secret layers, that's fine. But you can't run eight.
1: I wonder if they function the same as... I mean, I would assume they would yep. because of the, but like if you pithing needle will, does it tag his other?
0: It absolutely his, should. It should. Yeah. And I, with how, with how they're trying to solve this problem, I'm going to work on the assumption that they, that it yep. will. One thing that kind of was interesting was, did you see the new secret lair land that got spoiled for Stranger Things? They spoiled That was a, a flip land. It was a flip land. And there was a lot of uh, chit chat about whether or not they would put a flip card onto the list. Mm-hmm. Because printing a flip card is a lot more different than printing regular cards. Yeah. They've announced they they've talked about it. It takes different sheets and it's it's weird, but they confirmed even with that one, it's gonna be on the list. And they've even confirmed that between The Walking Dead and between Stranger Things, and obviously future secret Layers to come, something like Every other list card you open will be one of them, or every like one in every three list cards you open out of a pack, which you get one in every like three packs, will be one of these secret layers. One in six
1: packs are going to be, yeah. So, so this is a meaningful reprint. This is a very meaningful, you know, like when they did the uh, when they tried to trick us into buying the fetches for with a secret layer that was, oh, we're reprinting them, guys. We promise,
0: (laughs) or when they they uh, they put them as box toppers, yeah, oh, we're reprinting them, they're a box topper. I was listening to the uh, MTG Goldfish podcast, and they made a good point that this mops up pretty much the last thing we have to bitch about, really bitch about, when it comes to these secret layer printings. Now, you and I can agree, I'm not a huge fan of crossing IPs in, I'm not a huge fan of the art styles, I'm not a huge fan of of this kind of methodology. I'm not going to die on a hill when these cards are available, they're getting magic in-world printings. And they're going to keep getting printed. Yep. So there's not a second reserve list. The cards will look normal if you want to run them in your legacy deck. Good job, Wizards. Now, that
1: being said, I would be remiss as a Magic player if I didn't point out one thing and one thing only. They said they wouldn't do this. Yep. With these cards. Yep. And they're doing it. So Wizards loves to like give you a handshake and then kick you in the nuts at the same time. So, like... Wizards is very
0: much do as I say, not as I do. Yeah,
1: so I personally am very happy because I wanted them to go back on this because Uh I don't like these. But there's a lot of people who spent a lot of money buying these cards under the impression that these mechanically unique cards were not going to be printed again. At least the Walking Dead. That's what I mean, the Walking Dead. The secret lair came out and they were pretty open by that time that we're going to be printing again. Yes, by the time the rest of them came out, they had already said that because there was a shitstorm about the Walking Dead ones. But they in the short term, held their ground that this was going to be the only way to get these cards. Yep.
0: We, we said they, they kind of sold them on a bit of a FOMO, the fear yeah. of missing out, where they yeah, really bait, kind so, of... I
1: mean, it's pretty much a bait and switch.
0: Yeah, and they, they changed it. And I mean, so if you bought them and you're kind of at a loss now because you expected them to be unique and they're not going to, I am sorry, but I also am not super surprised that Wizards has chose to go back on their word again. Right. You so, know, we talked about, there was an interesting post semi-recently where Mario came out and said, hey, guys... Stop asking about the reserve list. It's not going anywhere. Your life will get better if you give up on it. And our immediate argument is you guys, and by that I mean Watsi, not Morrow, because Morrow doesn't make every decision by any means. No, he's... Um, But Watsi has changed their mind, changed their stance, and changed their decision on a dozen things. So don't get upset at us that we keep asking for it to happen again on the reserve list.
1: Correct. So my big thing would just be, A, I don't really... Feel bad when speculators get burnt because I think they're fueling a lot of problems in magic. So if you bought a hundred secret layers, yeah. Just to, cool. Just a throw
0: them in your closet and wait. Tough. When 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 people spend large well, I shouldn't say tough. I wouldn't say tough. They're 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 entrepreneurs, but you are playing a risky game. And uh, it's important to remember that when you play these risky games and you're speculating on scarcity, and the way people do that is by let's say you bought fifty boxes of MH2 and then put it in your closet. Thus, limiting the supply of MH two and making cards more expensive. There is
1: the real world chance you get burned. And yep. see, you have a little bit of a softer approach. I literally go tough. I speculation is causing a lot of damage in Magic. It it's hurts. the reason why cards are so expensive. It's the reason why to imp- it's the reason why secret layers, which I, is a product I'm very much against, are successful. Yeah, it's because there are speculators buying these cards. Are you in ag- bulk? let well, say you're. Ag- I, I think are you against? unique
0: secret layers or secret layers in general
1: i don't like secret layers in general uh cutting the game stores out of the process to me is just the worst way to treat the people like if it wasn't for game shops magic doesn't exist Mm -hmm. like period now that's the currently they may be doing fine without game shops magic's been around for 25 years and for the first 15 of it yeah you couldn't play anywhere else other than your local game store. And secret layers to me are a big F you to the people who kept your game alive. Yeah. So they,
0: there's, there's zero profit available for them.
1: Correct. Now, Wizards is trying to do, again, what they always do, where they piss a lot of people off and then try to like, you know, smooth it over a little bit where they, you know, they're giving game stores a few, you know, crumbs off yeah. their secret layer plate. I am fundamentally against secret layer. At least the way they're currently distributed, I don't mind the hey we're gonna do wacky art.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm like, But yeah, yeah, we're not against the weird art styles. Yep, but you,
1: the way Secret Layer should work is you pre-order it through your game store. Yeah, your game store gets effectively a cut, in, yeah. you know whatever that is, I don't know. And then nobody has to wait. Or just give the option. Like, right? right. like I get
0: that you can order it through Wizards, okay, but you should also be able to order it through your game store for the same price, and then Wizards just makes less money on it. And, like, they give they give the game shop a twenty dollar cut of the. $50 secret layer or $10 or whatever.
1: Secret layer to me is a, it's a, it's a layered problem yeah. where I don't like them fundamentally. I don't like mechanically unique cards yep. being printed in them. I don't like universes beyond and all these things have been piled up. Now, I will say they have gone a long way towards alleviating some of that problems. Yep. I a hundred percent give them credit for that. And I've literally put my money where my mouth is. I have not bought a single secret layer. Mm-hmm. I have bought one card. It was uh Maron. Yeah, they, you got the Marin. I, I had a Marin
0: I bought I bought the damnation secret lair that's the only one I bought but and, I did buy one
1: so this is to me with speculators if y- you get what you deserve yeah you're supporting things that hurt magic and if you get bit because you've got the tiger by its tail and it turns around and bites you I don't really yeah. care you I, get literally zero sympathy for and it. wizards is a very risky tiger to it, grab because that <laughs> that tiger is swinging all over the yeah. place and it's the same thing I 100 percent if you're a reserve list speculator and they reprint the reserve list, that's on you. Yeah, that's because insane. Volcanic Island shouldn't be $800, and it is because of people that do yeah, that, that have about. a binder full of duels and yeah. won't sell them. I see what you're talking about,
0: you know, speculators adjusting prices, and they do adjust prices of newer products sometimes. And like Timespire Remastered was a great example of speculators really messing with prices because right. there, was, there became quickly an established shortage on the run, and a lot of people flocked in to buy and save and wait. Yep. So that definitely jacked prices up. I mean, boxes went for started going for double very quickly.
1: Now I will say, well, let me finish. Oh, we'll go ahead. I was
0: gonna talk. I just wanted to bring it around to you know this the the reserve list wasn't expensive ten years ago because nobody was speculating on it. It
1: wasn't expensive uh, like five years. ago. It wasn't
0: nearly expensive five years ago.
1: This sounds ridiculous, but like my cradles were one hundred and fifty bucks, mm-hmm. and a lot of well, that
0: was due to EDH demand. Even a better example than. You know cards to see EDH play. You can look at almost any reserve list card that are hot garbage now, and they are fifty to one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. Uh, I bought a Yavimaya Hollow. Yep. It's an okay land at best. It just
1: happens to do something that you it, don't you know. Need it, to... You can
0: pay a green and tap it and regenerate a, a creature. Right.
1: It's better than the twentieth forest in your EDH. It's player. like one hundred and fifty
0: bucks. Yep. And it's not even a very good reserve list card. Not not you know you could say that. Volcanic Islands are are expensive in part because they see competitive play. But there are a lot of reserve list cards that are just crazy expensive because people speculate on the reserve list now and you see huge buyouts. You see really reduced availability because speculators.
1: Yeah, And and on top of that, we're not talking about even magic players speculating because I do that every now and then. I mean, we're just talking about Solitude where I bought Solitude because I was like, I think I'm going to use that card in the future and I think it's going to go up so I want to buy it now.
0: But I bought four. I bought uh, 25 copies of that storm collar regent card, whatever yeah. storm call storm, storm tide collar that you pay to, and then it copies the next cheap spell. Yep.
1: So i I don't mind small speculations. I don't mind preemptive buying yeah. stuff like that. But there There's, are people
0: who have turned their entire like stock portfolio or their right. their retirement into Magic cards.
1: Now, what I was gonna say, I will give the speculators one bone. The only reason that this is even a thing is because of the actions of Wizards of the Coast. The reserve you can't speculate on the reserve list if the reserve list doesn't exist. You yep. can't speculate on Time Spiral Remastered if it's not a limited print run. You can't speculate on Secret Layer if it's not a short-term buy thing. They are cranking the the FOMO to eleven, yeah. And people are the you know I I study uh, uh economics as kind of a hobby and Jake you know this people respond to incentives. They are cranking the incentives to do this stuff, yeah, and then. You know, like I'm getting mad at the speculators because they're playing, they're taking part in it. Yeah. But the root cause is Wizards of the Coast's action. So if they would knock it off, then we wouldn't have to deal with this stuff. True. But I am, I'm also not going to let the speculators off the hook because I'm also someone who's seeing this happening and I'm not participating in it. Mm -hmm. I always like, as Jake, you know, this, I'm a very kind of like, wear my heart on my sleeve like this is how I'm going to behave this is how I'm going to act I'm not going to say I'm going to do something and not do it Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say hey don't like I I think Ragavan shouldn't exist I haven't bought Ragavans yep same thing with all these things like I put my money where my mouth is I don't speculate on stuff like this I don't think anyone else should it's just taking a game that we love yeah and making it cost seven thousand dollars to build
0: a deck yep because because of decisions Watsi has made in terms of the availability of shiny pieces of cardboard with ink on them.
1: Right. So if everyone who had more than four of each duel sold them, the prices would go down by quite a bit. But they don't because they know because that in the future they're going to yeah. be worth more.
0: They've out well, you said they've outcompeted the stock market year on year by like, double, like 10 years by like high percentage like by high single digit percentage marks yeah. for the, yeah for ten years straight. So why wouldn't you if you're willing to take the risk invest in this? high risk very high reward strategy exactly all right that's enough we're looking at an hour already so i teased in the beginning i want to talk about you know if, if you want to tune out and, and bail out we got your hour that's awesome we're gonna go a little longer this week and do hopefully a tight 15 on building a commander deck in a slightly stronger than you could do by accident fashion
1: basically and, how to build a good deck a well, good
0: I, a, a, a good synergistic deck and so i was, I right. was thinking because uh, i pitched this to matt you know, a high five to a low seven. We start getting the high, you know, sevens, eights, and nines. We start getting into competitive and then CEDH decks. You know, we both have, we don't have CEDH decks, but we both have decks that could very easily be CDH decks. You know, they're probably low eights, yeah. maybe uh, high, like,
1: high sevens. We both have what we, what they're traditionally called pub stompers. Yeah. Like I, you and I could show up to a game store with my Marin or your Tatiova. Nobody and, wants to play us. Correct.
0: You know the we have we have decks that come with disclaimers yes and
1: so, we, the and our disclaimers we only play
0: these against other decks yep. and this is like not them. how to build those decks yeah. well I, I want to build a step or two down where this is still a fun deck it's still like like the deck i'm building now is an octavia living thesis deck and i kind of i built it recently and um i helped i helped will from the plan podcast i didn't say i helped but i participated in him building a Ur dragon deck and i was just thinking about like some tips and tricks and some things to keep in mind when you're designing a new deck to just be moderately powerful. You know, when you get below fives, you know, a three, four, and a five, you're talking to, in my opinion, you're talking about a pile of cards. You know, I I have a blue-black commander and I have a bunch of blue-black cards that are fun for me to play, and I'm I'm not gonna shit on any single person that's that probably that's, literally
1: everyone's first CD.
0: That that's what they want to do,
1: and that's that's what you do the entire
0: life. If you want to spend your entire life with your buddies playing piles of cards you like to play that's awesome. The game exists for you to have fun. If you want to step yourself up a little bit and play a little higher level or if you're, you know, maybe the maybe the card shop you go to is a little higher level and you want to bring up to them. How how, how do you, Matt, Start talking about building a deck that's we're talking a real synergistic deck.
1: Let's just pick a commander, for example.
0: Because it's really important. I mean, you know, you guys said it
1: Like but. a Brago deck, right? So Brago is a four mana commander. He's blue white. He blinks stuff when he hits yeah. your opponent. So we want to build a Brago deck, right? I would
0: say if you're if you want if you want to start building in this six this five to six area or this six to seven area, the first thing you have to pick is a commander that you can put synergies around.
1: So this is one of the and I don't want to derail the conversation. There's a lot of meanings on the, the commander power level scale. So you can take a very weak commander and tune him up as much Mm -hmm. as you can. So a perfect example, like Feather is not a super, what I would consider a super powerful deck. But we've got that deck into the five to seven range because it is pinpoint every single card in that deck does a very specific, very specific thing. So we've taken a a three and tuned him up to a five or seven because we built the deck. Well, yeah. So you can do that with a lot of them. Now, Brego is one of those. I just picked him. He just popped into my head. Yep. He's one of those where you could very easily turn him into he, an eight or a nine. He's yeah, a very He can be
0: a very CEDH deck.
1: But let's go a, away from that and go, Hey, we want to build Brego uh, blink. Just yep. a, a bunch of value yeah. stuff. It's not going right? to be a stasis deck. It's, it's not, not going to be a winner orb yeah, deck. Correct. It's
0: just a value deck.
1: Yeah. So the way when I first built him, it, it had a lot of tokens. Uh huh. So like the artificer guys, the dudes who make the golem tokens, had those so they come into play and you make yeah. like a 3-3 well, golem
0: so what you're looking at there is etb tribal correct and that's i was talking to will he was building an ur dragon deck and i told him it's you know you're building a dragon deck obviously but you need to be building etb tribal kind of when you're going to talk about playing six mana dragons they you need to not, do something you better not put a single dragon in that doesn't do something when it enters the battlefield
1: or attacks at
0: minimum or attacks at minimum yeah. but yeah you're talking about this brego deck that's not cdh but if you're gonna be flickering things, your commander blinks things, you've got to get value on anything you can have on right. the field.
1: So that's the first thing you want to do. You pick your commander. The next yep. thing you want to do is add soul ring. Yes. I've heard this argument a million times. Oh, my deck doesn't need soul ring. You're wrong. Well, I say, <laughs> get over it. It's two dollars. I Put would Sol say soul ring in your deck. You There's know,
0: I would say it doesn't need soul ring, but it's better with it.
1: It is incorrect to not have soul ring in your deck.
0: Unfortunately, yes.
1: Period. I mean, I've heard people make arguments about, an, like, a Animar, where he's like, oh, well, I don't need colorless. Because, you know, I just, you know what Sol Ring does? He casts Cultivate. Sure does. <laughs> and it casts it on turn two. Yeah. Like, it's a good card. You're playing Magic incorrectly. If you don't, you're playing Commander incorrectly. And that's what colorless. we're talking about. Yep. If we're talking about building a good deck, Commander, Sol Ring. Yep. The next thing is the rest of your ramp. So the reason I picked Brego is he's got a decent number of cards that work in his deck for ramp. Now, yep. you're n- not running green, so you need Artifact Ramp. Mm-hmm. You should run between, including Sol Ring, 8 and 10 pieces of ramp, yep. depending on your average CMC. So, and, and I heavily prefer ramp of any kind in the 2-mana, Correct. maybe some of the
0: best 3-mana ramps.
1: Right. So, the first thing you're looking... This is going to be out of most people's budget, but Mana Crypt is obviously the, the card. It's a great one. So, let's exclude that because it's yep. $100. And, you know... We're not super budget, but a hundred dollars is a big yep. ask. If but, you're just putting together a deck for but hanging a, out with a, your a friends, a great
0: step down after that would be something like the talismans, Correct. like the signets. Talismans, um, there's lots of rocks like the mine stone. Mine stone. Uh, what's the the diamonds yep. like you sapphire got sky diamond, diamond, mar- sky diamond, marble diamond. diamond, whatever they are. They have yep. all the colored diamonds where they come into play, tap, but they produce one. Um, you know, the, the, ideally you want those that you pay two and then you get one out of it, probably next turn, but you still get one out of. Yeah,
1: it. and. Again, ideally, you'd want them to fix your mana in some way. Yes, that's you, why your signets and your diamonds are good. Your mind stone, Your talismans are great. Yeah, it's also good if they run, um, if they do something else. So like, Mindstone is two mana for one colorless. Yep. Uh, comes into play and tap, but you can chuck it. You can basically cycle it. Yeah. So that it it has well, use. It's a much better game, top deck than a signet.
0: Or even if you just later in the game don't need it anymore. Right. Having um, you know, commander sphere is one of those. I only run a couple three mana uh rocks in my decks. Commander sphere is usually one of them. Because it serves the purpose of getting me mana when I in, in the early game, and then late game I can just sacrifice it to draw a card. Yep, and you know it does something extra. There's there's a buttload of three mana artifacts that come in and produce a colorless or maybe colored mana. Yeah,
1: like Darksteel Ingot. Yeah, where it's just like, ooh, it's indestructible. That doesn't matter. It's not good enough. Um, I don't run Darksteel Ingot. So correct.
0: get you as many as you can afford. Two ish mana rocks. Two yep. mana mana rocks. Or if you're in green, just get the land ramps.
1: Yeah, and we can go over that as well. Um, so going along with that, one of the things we want to talk about is average CMC. Yep. So if you want to make your deck the... Well, here, let's, let's, before we talk about, I say average
0: CMC is kind of an overarching concept. So we've talked about our commander. So commander. soul ring. soul ring. And ramp. The
1: rest of your mana rocks and ramp. So, so the, the,
0: those are things that are going to go in for much every single deck. And then after that, I would say, now you're starting to where you need to pick a theme. Yes, build... How do you what do you want your deck
1: to do? How yes. do you want it to win? How do you want it to prevent other people from winning? Yep. Unless it's a super fast combo deck, it should be able to do both. Yeah. So, you've just, got a lot of options there. Brego, like we talked about, is going to be we're going to do ETB tribal yep. uh, with a token sub theme. Yep. Sure. That's just that's the deck we're going to build, right? So, what we need to do is then look at the most powerful and efficient cards that do that or what you have. Correct. No, but the, again, we're going to assume, you know, let's say this is going to sound kind of bad. Let's say you got five hundred bucks to build this. Mm-hmm. It's just in budget. You don't even have to spend the money, but like I've got a pretty decent EDH collection. I'm going to limit myself to five hundred bucks, right? So that's one of the reasons you know, mana crypt out. Yeah, that's it. It does not improve your deck a hundred dollars worth if no, you're doesn't. working on any sort of uh, budget. Yep. So mana crypt cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, you're going to be you know looking for your token generators and strong ETB things. So stuff like mold drifter. Uh, mold drifter is deceptive. You know, it's CMC is five, it's actual CMC is three.
0: Yeah, because you can evoke it.
1: Because <laughs> you can evoke it, it curves out very well. Uh those Artifacer guys, you've got, you know, there's a bunch of other token generators
0: yeah. that all and I would argue that at this power level, if you're looking to build in the five the high five, six, seven power level, you don't even need the most powerful cards. We're not we're not talking about I mean, I think five hundred dollars is a lot of money to spend on a power level six deck. Because Magic's gotten expensive though. It, it has, and that's fair. I haven't bought a lot of yeah. commander cards in a while. But I would say that at this point, I'm not necessarily worried about the most efficient ETB cards in this example. Just every card should be following this theme. And so if you look at a creature that you think, I like this creature, I want to play it. If it doesn't ETB do a thing, if it's just a five mana, seven, seven with trample, that's probably not good enough because that doesn't get me any extra value out of my commander. Right. You know, uh, yeah, that beats face really well, but I'm not as worried about beating face. I'm worried about getting value. Right. So just work on, you know, finding those cards that the theme. Pick a theme, and you know, EDH Rec is great for this, because you can look at EDH Rec, and it'll tell you, people that build this deck build a token theme, an infect theme, an ETB theme, yeah. a grindy theme. Pick a theme you want, and focus on those cards primarily, and make sure that without most exception, most of the cards in your deck fit that theme, except for, you know, the last thing you want to throw on top of that, and it could go before, but in the same way that you're going to run 7 to 10 mana rocks, you need to run Probably what six to seven removal
1: spells. Yeah. So that's that's a, your you got your section of how we want to win, which yeah. we talked about ETB tribal and tokens. Yep. Then we've got how do we want to not lose. Yep. Now this is one of the things you can make some arguments about your threats being a little inefficient because you're yep. going to generate some value. Whatever your answers need to be efficient.
0: Relatively, yes.
1: With Brago, we're talking path to exile, sword to plowshares, counterspell.
0: Very luckily, though, the, uh, a lot of like times that. the best removal and the best control, like the best uh, answers in the game are cheap. Yeah, I mean, they're usually a couple dollars. five bucks. Swords of Plowshares is a dollar. You know, Beast Within is like three bucks. Yep. Like these cards that, you know, should be in your deck, they are the most efficient removal. Um, you know, nature's claim for artifacts is 50 cents. Yep. These cards are cheap. So you don't worry, you know, you're not gonna break the bank to get these and you should run them. And I will tell you, uh, and you'll hear this again when we talk about CMC, however many removal spells you're running, you probably should be running more. I mean, in- unless realistically, because most people put four or five in their deck because removal spells are boring. Removal spells don't win the game. I never get to top deck my removal spell and be like, aha, tap nine mana. They're not fun. Yep. But removal spells are very important because you don't lose the game. They st- You know, Everyone gets in that mentality where you're sitting around and you go, well, Matt over there is just going crazy. He's got his value engine online. I guess we just lose. It's going to take four turns, but we lose. When realistically, if everyone at the table has got seven or eight kill spells in their deck... Guys, we just got to go. If we can survive a turn or two, one of us is probably going to draw one or draw away to get to one. Yep, absolutely. and then we'll be fine. And that's you know the idea that you know Matt, you're only running seven kill spells, eight kill spells in your deck. The odds of you getting one is kind of low, but there's three of us, and as right. long as we all built our deck like that, we'll probably get one. Yep. So On top of you know kill spells, you know, swords of plowshares, eight counters, a couple counter spells, uh, beast within, anguish on making, terminate. Try the next- to
1: play at instant speed when you can. That's yes, another thing that will speed. get you from that three. To five, to five, to seven. It's, yep. You know, Anguished Unmaking is a better card than Vindicate, in
0: my opinion.
1: Oh, 100%. And Vindicate's a little more broad, and sometimes I will run it, but the ability to play at instant speed versus the three life and you can't hit a land. Isn't Anguished Unmaking permanent? Uh, it's non-land permanent. Oh, okay. Vindicate That's hits great. any permanent. That's true. And yeah. that is, a, that is a, a very real downside, yep. but it's counteracted by the very yep. real upside of being able to play at instant, instant
0: speed. speed. And so you bring up, you know, non-land permanent. So I would, you know, run seven to ten removal spells. Put a couple of board wipes in there because you, you got to be able but to hit a reset button. That was
1: going to be something I was going to say. One of the things I read a lot of people doing because I troll like all these, not not troll in the bad sense. I'm on a lot of these. Lurk. Lurk. They'll, it used to be before trolling became trolling. Yeah. That's um, old. Yeah. So I'm sitting around on these forums and people don't want to run single target removal because... There's three opponents, yep. and they think single target removal is worse because of that. It isn't and in efficient. in one sense, they are correct, because if I swords Jake's card, he and I are both down a card versus our two yeah. other opponents.
0: Yeah, our two opponents have essentially gone up a card.
1: But you should have, in my opinion, if you've hit two board wipes, unless you're doing a very specific type of deck, you've got enough. Yeah. So you, you don't need them every game. And most of the time, what Wrath of God is in EDH is a four mana swords to plowship. Yep. (laughs) Because there's usually one card that's causing the actual problem. And yeah, you can generate some values. Sometimes you'll get people or whatever. But EDH is also a format where you have to dedicate stuff to the board. So you're not going to get away clean. Like, there's not really a draw-go type of deck in EDH where you're just not going to play anything to the board. Those very rarely exist. Yeah. So you're not going to get your opponent in the same way that you can get them in a 1v1 yep.
0: and, and keep in mind that the argument is very true that you know swords to plowshares means me and my opponent go down a card and the other two guys go up a card. But your swords to plowshares should be there mostly for primarily one, I don't die, in yep. which case I don't care if Matt draws four cards. I don't want to die. And two, the table doesn't lose, in which case no one cares. Yep. You're right. I'm down a card and Matt's down a card and my... Buddy Alex and Ma- and Mike, they're over there like, oh, we didn't have to do anything, but we get to keep playing. Who cares? Yeah, yep. Matt got up. I mean, I love playing Um, Arcane Denial is one of my preferred counter spells because it's a 2 mana counter spell. It's easy to cast. But Jake, the person who had their spell counter, gets to draw two cards later. I don't care because what gets countered with Arcane Denial is what kills me or stops me from winning.
1: The, like, tempo kind of plays where, like, I'm going to play Ragavan and just daze whatever you do on turn one, that doesn't happen in EDH. No. It's- you're not, typically speaking, counter. You're not going to fire your swords off on their Land of War elf. Nope. You're not going to do that stuff because you're only going to see two or three swords a game. Yeah. You, and you have three opponents you have to deal with. Your
0: swords is there for their Platinum Angel. Right. Because that's a problem that someone needs to remove, darn it. Yeah, your,
1: arc, your Arcane Denial yeah. is there for Tooth and Nail. Yep, exactly. Not their swords to push. I don't in. care if
0: you draw two cards. You're not getting tooth and nail off. You're not going to cast um what's the what's the nine mana two blue expropriate? Yeah, uh, the expropriate. Yeah, you yeah. don't get
1: expropriate. You can draw two
0: cards and not play that. Yeah. Um, the other thing. So the one more thing I want to tell everybody: please put three or four land removal cards in your deck. Yep. If that's wasteland, strip mine, ghost quarter, tectonic edge,
1: ruin. Uh, the, there's one of.
0: There's a couple spells, yeah. um, you know, things like, even there, like Reap and Sow. It's, it's field for, of Ruin. That's field of doing. Ruin. Find a, c playing, they are cheap. And yeah, you gotta pay a couple mana to do it. But for heaven's sake, everybody at the table should have three or four ways to remove a land in their deck. Because Gaius Cradle is legal. Field of the Dead is legal. And um, here's
1: the thing that a lot of people don't want to hear. Your opponents aren't being mean when they're playing goods. No. It's your job. I'm here to win. I'm here yeah. to also make sure we're having a good time. Yeah, the the fun factor is important, but yeah, don't get mad at your opponent
0: or your friends because they they because their synergistic deck is working. Right. You know, don't it's be, your job to stop them. Like Matt put Glacial Chasm in his deck so that he wouldn't die to my overwhelming Stampede. I don't be mad at him because he put a good card in, right. and you should be mad at yourself for if you have no way to remove it. Because I don't get super upset when I have an out to draw to, like, oh, I just got to get my wasteland, I'll be fine. I, I just got to get my tectonic edge and we can get through this. But when I look at my opponent and I go, oh, he's a, he has a Glacial Chasm loop, uh, I have I have no way to get through an attack. I cannot win this game. This isn't fun. Right. That's because I built my deck uh, suboptimally. So put in some land destruction.
1: And that benefits your group overall because everyone gets to play with more cards if everyone is also playing with more amps. When everyone's playing more removal and more answers, everyone gets to play more cards. It makes more cards good. Right. Well, it makes more cards not oppressive. That's true. That's so good like Urborg and Gaia's Cradle and Cabal Coffers and Glacial Chasm yeah. and all be- those cards become cards that can be in your playgroup because they have yeah. answers rather than you getting mad when someone plays their cradle because you know you can't yeah. beat it. They don't immediately completely
0: take over a game. Right. And like the number of times I've sat down with people and I'll play a really good, powerful land... And, you know, people are like, I have no way to deal with that. Do you? And everyone says no. And it's like, guys, he just wins. Strip mine's like 10 bucks. Ghost is like 25 cents. Put a ghost quarter in your deck. It's worth it. Yep. So I think those are kind of our, our key, right. key points to hit on on taking your deck, taking your your pile of cards. I've got these pile of, you know, blue and black or, or blue and white cards and just tuning it up to be a little more powerful. And to kind of up that win percentage, and even if not your win percentage, up the number of games you're actively playing. In. Right. So I uh, we'll start we'll go, go with them again and catch me if I miss one. But we're going to start by picking a commander that has a theme we can build around. Yep. You know, we can't really build a Fendel Graph deck because he doesn't really do anything that we can build around. Right. We're going to put Sol Ring in it. Yep. And then with that, we're going to put some ramp. We want seven to 10 ramp spells in there that are relatively efficient, hopefully two mana to get one out. Then we want to put in, then we're going to need to pick out. What's our theme, how we're going to win, and how we're going to play? What's the synergies you want to work on in this deck? So something like Brego would be a blink deck. You know, with my Octavia Living Thesis, I built a token and cantrip deck. I'm making tokens, and I'm using cantrips to, to affect them. Then we need to look at our removal. we got to put in seven or eight removal cards. You know, some single target removal. Kill that creature, exile that permanent, and include in there maybe one or two board wipes. At the end, make sure and chalk on a couple ways to kill lands. And if, you know, some of those removal spells can double, so your Vindicate can be one of your land destruction spells, but don't be afraid to put a Ghost Quarter in. Don't, I mean, yep. if your opponents are mad at you because you played Ghost Quarter, that's a somewhat toxic play group you're in. Right. So keep that in mind. And then after that, you know, in this five to six range, feel free to pick the budget options. Feel free to throw in a couple cards you like. You know, don't worry about playing the best cards on CDH. Don't worry about playing the most efficient cards, the cheapest cards, the most expensive. You can do a lot in this five to six to seven range with just some fun cards you like that fit your synergies. Don't be afraid to pay a little more for your stuff. Oh,
1: we would missed one
0: thing. We I want to wrap up at the end. Keep your overall CMC low.
1: It should be between two and three.
0: Yeah, I, I, I brushed over that and I forgot. That's a very important thing. When you put your deck into one of the 50 deck trackers online, and it tells you your average CMC. You want it as low as reasonably possible. I pulled up a couple of my decks just for fun. My borderline CEDH deck is like 1.6, yep. and it has a couple like seven and eight drops in there. My Muldrotha deck, which is kind of a silly fun, like it's a solid six and a half, seven, 1.4. Uh, your Marin deck, which is borderline CEDH,
1: two. It's two and change. Two and change. It's got some stuff in there that throws off the curve that I don't yeah. actually pay for. But yeah, yeah, yeah
0: you're, you're cheating stuff out. You know, if you're man, if you look at your mana curve. Your, your, sorry, your average cmc and it's like three three and a half four that's too much and you should look at reducing the overall cost of all your spells if possible at the very least trimming the high end yep cut some of those high end cards that are probably costing too much or you've got too many of them and maybe go into that four and five slot and trim some of those down for some twos and threes and maybe some more ramp spells
1: yep well and that's the thing is if if you're looking at most casual decks what they're going to have is a lot of cards in the five to seven mana slot and no remote So you take out the cards that cost seven, Uh put in removal that costs one or two, and that will bring your average CMC
0: down. That'll average you out really well.
1: Same thing with your high-end creatures. Do the same thing and put in ramp. So if you don't have removal and ramp and its average CMC is about two on those, then your deck is not going to win good.
0: It's just not going to flow as well. You're going to get stuck with cards in your hand that you can't cast. You're going to have games where you go turn one, two, and three. You never played anything.
1: Right. Which... Not only is that not fun for you, it's not fun for your opponents. Yep. I don't want to sit here and watch you not play Magic. We're playing a four-player game, player game yeah. for a reason.
0: It makes it really hard for me to play. It's hard for me to play even semi-competitively with Matt if every time we play, he doesn't play a spell for the first four turns. Right. And so he's going to get mad at me if I start attacking him because he's going to go, Jake, I'm not even playing this game, dude. I don't have to do. So I can't attack Matt because he's going to get upset because he's not really doing anything. So then by turn 5, 6 and 7, he's a little farther ahead than all of us cuz he got all of his life, he's got all cards in his hand, and now he starts kicking down on us. And his response, what he's going to say is, "I didn't even play the first half. I'm just playing catch up." Right. This isn't like f- this that that I will preface, not every playgroup is like that by any means. I'm not going to throw shade at anyone I don't know, but I've seen it happen and I've experienced it happen and it's not fun. The way to prevent that, lower the average cost of your deck. Yep. Lower your average CMC or your mana value if you were started playing magic in the last year and a half and you will have better and more productive games.
1: Correct. And more fun games. And they're more fun games. Games where you don't do anything are a whole lot of fun. Yeah,
0: they're not right. a lot of fun for anybody. All right. We're super long. We're going to wrap this up. I will say if anyone has any interest in us doing more episodes like this or maybe even independent episodes on kind of interesting concepts or or core deck building concepts like this, Let us know, cantripcartel at gmail.com, Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel, or the Cantrip Cartel page on the Plain Soccer Discord. We would love to hear from you, and we would love to have your feedback. If you want Matt to do a, what's it called?
1: Ultra hardcore.
0: Ultra hardcore up till Diablo. Yep. Run. Hit us up. We're going for five. If we can get five people to pick up and say, I think he should do it. I want him to be miserable. We'll make him do it. And if that happens, we'll figure out some way to make me do a miserable thing on Dark Souls.
1: Yep. Let's just like play Dark Souls.
0: Yep. <laughs> I love Dark Souls. It's not miserable. I get mad playing it sometimes, but it's not miserable. Check out the Plain Sockers podcast. Will and Aramis are wonderful. They record on Mondays, they stream on Wednesday. They actually stream on Monday and Wednesday. They do a wonderful job of presenting a great standard podcast. They do a lot of things we do with Modern and Legacy. They run through the metagame. They run through the popular decks, and they tell you how to beat them and what to be prepared for. They run a tight ship, so check them out. Other than that, is there anything else I'm forgetting? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up, and we will see you guys next week. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, uh, turn one, Forest Sol ring.